0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is BELIEVE. What's up everybody and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. And what a beautiful Victory Monday it is. The second consecutive Victory Monday. The first consecutive back-to-back Victory Mondays to kick off the season since sexy Rex Grossman was running the show for the Burgundy and Gold back in 2011. A 35-33 win at the Denver Broncos yesterday to move the Commanders to 2-0 a tie now atop the NFC East with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Every single team in the NFC East won this week. The entire division is now a combined seven and one, similar to what we saw last year. NFC East looks to be good again. Not going to talk about the Giants. Heck, Heck of a comeback for them as well against the Arizona Cardinals. But our focus is going to stay on the Washington Commanders today. The largest... Road comeback for this football team since 1990. Sam Howell is now 3-0 in his first three career starts. It is the most points we've seen from this franchise since 2020. Just a hell of a comeback for the Washington Commanders. Bottom line, folks, is it ever easy? Is it ever easy in Washington? Because for me, been watching this team since the early 2000s, when I was just a little kid running around, looking up and seeing Jason Campbell slinging it around with LeVar Arrington and Michael Barrow and the days of big Sean Taylor roaming around in the safeties room. And I've never seen anything like that since to what we saw at the end of that game yesterday. We're going to get into everything, offense, defense, guys that stood out, guys I want to see more of, things I want to see improved upon, because it was not perfect. And bottom line, you're down 21-3 at any point in an NFL football game, you have things to work on. And that's just a fact. Now they battle back, and that's what tells me a lot about this football team, because for me, looking in that first half, I'm thinking, this team just is not getting ready to play under Ron Rivera, because the same crap happened last week even moving into that second half when they're down 16-10 to the Cardinals. Win that football game too. But when you got the Bills coming into town next week and you got the Eagles that following, these are teams that put teams away early. I'm not saying Washington's a bad football team. You're 2-0. and Your record is what you are. You're 2-0. You're an undefeated football team. But there are some things to work upon. So, bottom line, guys, we're going to start at the top. And I'm just going to go throughout the first half, through the second half. Guys, i stand out things that Situations that stand out, we're gonna talk and we're gonna really peel the layers back uh, on this football team. But I want obviously to focus on before we get into this is Sam Howell. Um, look, the kid is taking steps, and what I respect so much about number fourteen under center is when things aren't perfect, he gets his backside up and continues to rip it. It's not just little dump offs here. It's not just layering a little seven yard throw over a linebacker here to a tight end. He is consistently getting up when things, again, were not perfect yesterday, specifically in that first half, to where he's just pumping throws, far hash comebacks, hitting John Bates' 3rd uh, and 13 down the boundary. Just fantastic stuff from Sam Howell yesterday. And really, I know you guys are feeling confident about what's to come for him because every single week, more reps, more game reps, more practice reps, more mental reps in on a whiteboard. Looks like it's going to continue to allow Sam Howell to improve. Now, we moved into that second half yesterday. The offensive line creator was able to create more of a pocket for him. We saw some Randy Gregory. We saw some Nick Benito. We saw some Jonathan Cooper give Washington some issues yesterday. A lot of batted passes at the line of scrimmage that I did not like to see. That's a technique thing from the offensive line to where they can get their hands over the defensive lineman, Keep their hands down. You're taught as a defensive lineman if you're not able to push the pocket. Get your damn hands up and get him in throwing lanes. And specifically, Matt Henningson, a guy that we focused on in the pregame podcast from Wisconsin, big boy, you know, he just got his hands up. Wasn't creating a ton of pressure, but consistently had his hands in the passing windows for Sam Howell. But bottom line, 27 for 39, 299 yards, almost eclipsed that 300 yard plateau, two touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, no muff punts. There were no turnovers for Washington yesterday. As much as it stood out of all the other stuff going on in that football game, the biggest thing for me, zero turnovers compared to Denver's two. Manuel Forbes had his first interception. That was great to see. He should have two. He should have two right now. Should have caught the one last week against Arizona. But he's got one, and he's on the board officially. Compared, again, and Damon Davis forcing that fumble that really, really turned the tide of that football game. So, but but just bottom line, Sam Howell, the way in which he is continuing to progress, both within the ears, with his arm, and seeing him start to create with his legs, is just fantastic. Washington threw the ball 30 times yesterday in the first half. But then they got to the ground game a little bit more when we got to with Brian Robinson and were they able to create some valleys, some alleys, excuse me, within the tackles. He was breaking tackles when they went outside zone. Linebackers had no shot. Safeties had no shot. He was running with violence behind his pads. 18 carries, 87 yards, nearly five yards of pop, two touchdowns, and his longest run came 27 yards. Brian Robinson is getting going. Sam Howell's getting going. The young receiving core looked good yesterday. No, Jahan Dotson didn't have 10 catches for 100 yards. Terry didn't have nine catches for 150 and two touchdowns. Wasn't any of that type of game. It wasn't a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Miami type of duo on the outside, with from a numbers perspective yesterday, it was Terry that led the team with five catches from 54 yards and that just beautiful hookup from with Sam Howell in that second half over three Broncos defenders. Just fantastic. John Bates, John Bates was second on the team in receiving five targets, three catches, 46 yards. Of course, that 35 yard hookup on that third and 13 was his big chunk play of the game. Antonio Gibson, look, Got to utilize him more in space. Three catches, 44 yards, had that 36-yard screen uh, as we move forward in that second half. He is just somebody that belongs in space. And he is not somebody right now that's going to be involved uh, as a runner in this game plan. And yesterday, he had two carries for nine yards. Sam Howell had two carries, too. Curtis Samuel also had a carry. But again, Brian led the team with 18. I don't see Antonio's workload coming much longer as a ball carrier, where he's getting upwards of 7 to 10 carries a a football game. I just don't see it. We saw him fumble last week, but you see him in space, how he gets the ball in his hands comfortably, and his ability to make guys miss, his vision and his burst at 215 plus pounds to make guys miss in open space. That is another weapon that Washington has to continue to utilize. And Eric Biennium yesterday, guys, bottom line, he was deep, deep in his bag screens, designated touches, creating mismatches with guys like Antonio Gibson, doing a lot of pre-snap motion to allow Sam Howell to find those man zone indicators. He just did a lot of stuff behind the scenes, before the snap, to make life easier on Sam Howell. Then when you're running the ball with success, then you can open some stuff on play action. You want to run some RPO stuff? Now, RPO game was okay yesterday. I want to see Sam a couple more times Take it himself just to keep the backside of defenses honest because even on that last drive to where Washington had the ball when they were up eight at that point, first down, second down, third there's down, a lot of RPO, handing it to Brian Robinson up the at the zero hole right up Nick Gates' backside, didn't get anything, lost a yard on three plays. And in certain situations, even before in that ball game, I want to see him take those RPOs and again threaten the entire backside of the defense. So you get your backside defensive end. Your backside linebacker, backside corner, backside safety. That entire, just cut it right down the middle of the field. Have to keep that side of the defense honest if you're Washington moving forward to just expand the playbook east-west and north-south. And another thing too with the RPOs, a lot of the RPOs yesterday were on the left side of Sam Howell, on his left hip. I want to see that on his right side. And why I say that is on the left side, it's harder as a right-handed quarterback to have that fake and run that mesh point to where you have that outside linebacker coming in to where you want to pull it and run to your left side or you want to pull it, have to flip your hips and then deliver over the middle of the field. Now, Sam has arm talent to where he can just let that mesh point clear and sling it over the middle of the field. That three o'clock arm angle we talked about that touchdown pass to Brian against the against the Arizona Cardinals to where he can just rip it with really no base under him. But allowing him to have more RPOs to his arm side to where he can roll out to his strong side and be able to throw it on the run if he has to, it just allows a little bit more clarity under center and more escapability for him, not just to escape as a runner if he wants to pull it, but also keep his eyes up and create stuff downfield. Just, But overall, guys, it's just, those little things. And I'm just excited because we've talked about Eric Bieniemy for so long, how he was going to change this offensive structure. And that first half yesterday, what we really saw against Arizona, I'm sure it had you guys down, right? It was just like, great. Another Sunday of crap. But to see how this offense continued to evolve with such a young kid in Sam Howell under center, it's only his third start, guys. It's only his third start. I believe they showed a graphic to start the game. It was 100. Russell Wilson's. 175th, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but 175th career start yesterday and Sam Howell's third. And if you didn't tell me who the veteran quarterback was yesterday, I probably would have said Sam Howell from what I saw. Now, don't get me wrong. Russell Wilson, 18 for 32, 308 yards and three touchdowns. Most of that came in the first half. But if you take Marvin Mims out of that ballgame, two catches, 113 yards and a touchdown. And the big plays, the blown coverages, that's a, Average to below average game for Russell Wilson yesterday. I just cannot say, I cannot express enough how impressed I was with Sam Howell and how important that damn ball game was yesterday for the Commanders to go 2-0 with the Bills and the Eagles upcoming. You guys know, you guys have watched, listened to the podcast for a while. I've talked about the first month of this season and how big it was to now be 2-0, Bills-Eagles... Coming to town, who knows? Get the Bills coming in, then you go to the Eagles. Who the hell knows? And momentum, you guys know it out there. I'm sure you guys were all athletes. Momentum in sports, when you're vibing as a team, you got morale high in a locker room. A locker room that is young. And speaking of young, sack and a half for 99 yesterday. Love to see it. First sack in over 700 days. 700 days! For Chase Young, and he looked excellent. Now, the offside penalty, the rough in the passer that was soft as Charmin, uh, whatever, whatever. It's good to see Chase Young healthy, and it's good to see what he can do for that front four in creating isolated matchups. Offensive lines do not want to block people one-on-one. They want to consistently find double teams, but when you got Deron Payne, John Allen, Chase Young, and Montez Sweat, good luck. Blocking them all one-on-one. We saw Deron Payne have that one series where he sacks Russell Wilson, TFL in the, the behind-the-lines scrimmage, and a batted pass on third down. 94 was the series by himself. Dominant. That's the type of player that he is. But to see Chase have a second half, to see Montez have a second half, dominant bookends, Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams got in on the party as well. It was a block party in Russell Wilson's back and backyard, and I love to see it. I'd love to see it. The whole first half, all you heard was, let Russ cook. Oh, Russ looks great. The Sean Payton, they were, they didn't look good in week one, but they looked good in the first half. Well, they lost the football game. And Washington played inspired football. And I absolutely love to see it. So let's get through these notes a little bit. We'll start in the first half. I love the first snap. Bottom line, designated touch to Jahan Dotson. That's something that we talked about Uh, In the pregame podcast, wanted to see more of get Sam Howell in rhythm early. Again, designated touch of screenplay to Jahan. Just get the ball in Sam's hands and let him get in rhythm early in that football game. And that's exactly what you saw. Uh, Third and nine, beautiful completion for Sam Howell. Two screens early on. I mentioned earlier, Bienni was in his bag in the screen game. So he had Dotson, he had a screen to Brian Robinson really early in that first quarter. I just love to see it. Love to see the big boys out in space. They did well. Wasn't a lot of penalties. I mean, you look at the box score and Washington had eight penalties as a whole, but there wasn't really any false starts, wasn't any holdings, dramatic penalties that really killed drives. There was some crap. I, I get it. There was some stuff, but there wasn't anything overwhelmingly dramatic to where it's like that just kills a drive or you just gave them points. That type of stuff was not present. For the Burgundy and Gold. Um, real quick, the special teams unit with Cameron Cheeseman putting that crap in the dirt. I don't know what's going on there with Cameron Cheeseman. Um, he's been fine his first couple years in the league. I understand um, from my knowledge that Nate Katzer, special teams coach, has been working with him with his hands and his technique. I don't care what his technique is. Just get it back to Tress Way because that 49 yarder in that first quarter after a pretty darn good drive to kick off that game it wasn't even close I mean that thing was not even close I mean he kicked that thing to Aspen I don't know where that thing was going ended up at some ski resort somewhere I mean the uprights were in front of him and this dude kicked it to the damn hot dog stand in section 424 the whole operation was just absolute crap and we saw it later in that football game, too. We saw it in week one. We saw it in the preseason. Cameron Cheeseman. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. If I'm hating on the long snapper, things went right yesterday. And that's what I'm doing. But special teams is important. It's really important. And a 49-yarder to kick off that game where your offense is, feels good about itself to get some points on the board early in that first quarter, that operation has to clean itself up. It absolutely has to clean itself up. Uh, As we move forward on that defensive drive, we missed that field goal and two plays. Javante Williams run and a Jerry Judy hiccup and Denver was at Washington's 35. They score on that drive with our old friend we talked about in the pregame podcast, Jaleel McLaughlin, Youngstown State. I mentioned to you guys, he was going to get some reps. A lot of individuals I spoke to inside Denver's building this week mentioned that they wanted to focus on that kid getting touches. You saw it on the first drive, and he scored his first career NFL touchdown. He's a JD McKissick type, scat back, Washington on the edges in that first half yesterday. They were not getting off blocks, and they were not pursuing correctly with their angles from the second level. They didn't do a lot of that against Arizona in week one when James Conner was running with success. They didn't do it early in that football game against Denver. It's why Jaleel McLaughlin was able to escape outside the left tackle and scoot into the end zone there where it was 7-0 at that point in time, uh, the middle portions of that first quarter. As we move forward, I love the fact that Sam Howell was not afraid to attack Patrick Sertan uh, yesterday. I mentioned him. You guys know who he is. One of the top, if not the top, really young corners in football um, under the age of, you know, 25 years old. Just fantastic. Um, but Sam Howell just continued to target him. Um, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, running these little quick little hitch routes. Curtis Samuel, he just sees them, understands they're creating leverage and creating separation. He's, he's pumping it to their numbers. Um, I love that about Sam. He's got a little arm arrogance to him. And what I mean by that is he's not afraid to pump throws and really embarrass opposing corners to say, look, I can fit this throw and even though you don't think that I can and Sam's got a little bit of that to his game, a little bit of, of moxie to him, confidence. And like I said, arm arrogance, which I love to see from him in that football game. Uh, as we move forward, uh, look, the first half was, you know, there's a lot of negative notes. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be worked upon. Um, tip of the cap to Sean Payton, his group for creating mismatches over the middle of the field with Brandon Johnson on that crossing route with Cody Barton's chasing him across the field. The crossing route, guys, is the best route in football. And the reason why I say that is, if you've got a guy that's a better athlete than another guy, whether it's a corner safety or linebacker, running a crossing route is going to be able to create mismatches and having to just create a track meet across the field. It's like running a gasser from hash to hash or sideline to sideline. Just try to keep up with the guy. And if you have a guy like Brandon Johnson that could run, or you have guys like Washington has with Jahan Dotson and specifically Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel that can really run, Running a crossing route, man, when you understand that you have that, again, tip of the cap two to Russell Wilson to understand that matchup, that was something in the first quarter to where really the linebacking issues or concerns for this football team really rose because the lack of athletes as a whole that we saw. I mean, there was no Khalil Hudson, right? There was no Quan Martin. He was inactive yesterday. You drafted those type of athletes to be able to do some different things for you at the second and third levels of the defense. And we saw a lot of Cody Barton chasing down receivers. I like Cody, had a good game yesterday, was physical, especially in that second half, but he's not. you don't want him chasing receivers on crossing routes across the middle of the field. You just don't want to do that. So from that point of view, from a mismatching skiing perspective, that's a tip of the cap to the Denver Broncos. Um, up front, Charles Leno from, from left to right, City Charles, Nick Gates, Sam Cosme, Andrew Wiley. Uh, the first half was rough. Uh, Nick Benito, his ghost rush that he showed, a ghost rush guy's, Uh, is when a defensive lineman flies off the line of scrimmage, he kind of shows his hands and then dips that inside shoulder, looks like teasing the offensive lineman to look like he's going to engage with his hands and try to counter him or work past his hands. But when Nick Benito flashed his hands and then brought it down and then ripped that in or turned that inside shoulder and really dipped under Leno's hands, that's called a ghost rush. Nick Benito, I mentioned him in the pregame podcast as well. Kid out of Oklahoma, that's a really good young pass rusher in this league. Not a crazy, crazy deep pass rush repertoire. Um, It hasn't really developed too much, excuse me, since he came out of Oklahoma. But that ghost rush and the speed that he has to bend the edge, the ankle flexion that a lot of scouts like to see in the edge rushers, he has that a lot. And he's just able to, look, I can beat you to the outside shoulder. I'm going to beat you to the outside shoulder. I don't even need to use my hands. And on that sack yesterday, he did that in that first half against Charles Leno. Um... As we move down, um, this is the point in time to where we're getting to Jamin Davis um, and and the play that he made on Russell Wilson, roaming out to his left. Initially, I didn't think it was a fumble, but thank God for instant replay, um, which is obviously a great thing because that turned the tide of the football game. Um, I loved what I saw from Jamin yesterday. Number 52 just roaming around, flying around. He was a different speed at the second level. You can tell why his athletic profile, why he was so dominant in the SEC at Kentucky and why Washington used a first round pick on him back in 2021. He is just somebody that can fly around the damn football field. And that punch out turned the tide of the entire football game. It turned the tide of the football game. Um, Washington gets that ball back screenplay to Cole Turner. Look, the tight ends were not terrible yesterday. That cut, that catch by Logan Thomas over the middle of the field in the end zone, Kareem Jackson ejected for the hit. Hell of a play. Hell of a play from Logan Thomas to hang on to that football. That was just a humongous, humongous play. But again, in that first half, after Jamin punches that ball out, a screenplay to Cole Turner. You know, you guys know that the, the tight ends, yards after catch, you're just really not going to see it. But on that screenplay, I just wish Cole Turner would pick his damn big-ass feet up and get an extra 5-10 yards. He was just stumbling, rumbling, bumbling. By no means was he running, it looked smooth. He was picking him up and putting him down and gliding past guys. Look, bottom line, I love the play call. And that's the reason why I'm highlighting it. And Cole Turner wasn't expecting it. He was attached on the line of scrimmage a lot yesterday. And then he leaks out after chipping the D end. And it's a nice chunk play for him. Just If it's you know 15-yard screen play, I wish it was 20. Wish it was 25. Want to continue to improve and look for better things. But in that moment, it's a heck of a play call. Another screen. That Biennemi was deep in his bag yesterday. Uh, moving towards... No, end of the first half. After Logan Thomas. To make it 21-10. to 10, The two-point conversion. Look. At that point in time, I thought to myself, Why? Because you had momentum. Jamin Davis, defense makes a play. Offense drives down the field. Heck of a play from Logan Thomas. That sideline was jacked up. You saw Nick Gates go after Kareem Jackson in the end zone near the goalpost to well, stand up for his teammates. I love that. But then you go for a two-point conversion, and luckily Brian Robinson is a damn Mack truck and, and be able to push four or five guys in the end zone. Because at that point in time, it scared the crap out of me because of the momentum that you had. And you don't get that there. It's just kind of like an extreme buzzkill because of the places you just made to get down there. But they converted to make it 21-11 at that point in time. Again, after the four-yard hookup from Sam Howell to Logan Thomas. So as we move forward, that is the end of the first half. Uh, 21-14 really is how it ended. Joey Sly, 49-yard field goal, really to end that first half. Uh, it was good to see him execute really the, I mentioned it earlier, the field goal unit, the operation has not been great to start the year, something they absolutely have to work on, or you got to get guys in the building, specifically a long snapper, obviously Tressway is going to stay. Um, but you got to get guys in the building that can operate, uh, at a professional level. And right now, long snapping is, is an issue, uh, for this football team. So as we move into the second half, I mentioned pain to start off that, i start off that third quarter, dominate that series. Um, the Sam Howell to, to, to Terry McLaurin was just a dart 30 yards to, to kick off that third quarter to make it 21-21, sitting in the, in the pocket comfortably to where the pocket was not comfortable all day long, layering it over multiple levels of defenders in the backside of the end zone. Terry to rise up over two guys, secure it into his body and come down with the catch. That's Terry McLaurin. You know, the relationship from Sam to Terry is only gonna increase with plays like that. That gives Sam more confidence to continue to pump throws into tight windows and trust Terry to make those types of catches. We all know he can. Um Then came the Forbes interception on defense. Look, Emmanuel Forbes was not perfect yesterday. Um that first half he had a whiff in the run game. I hated to see. You don't like to see young corners try to come up and just stick their head down and whiff their shoulder. You know, you wanna see him attack ankles, you wanna see him Uh, make plays on the outside in the run game. Um, Maybe that's something he needs to work on moving forward. All defense want to force young corners to tackle. That's why they attacked him a little bit on his side of the run game. Uh, The passing game wasn't perfect, was attacked a little bit. I'm interested to see the numbers as far as his specific receiver matchups, as far as how many yards he gave up in certain amount of targets. But bottom line is, Washington brought him in to limit chunk plays and take the ball back. And through two weeks, as far as turnover margin... You could say that he's plus two in the turnover margin if he would have caught that ball last week against Arizona because this week's interception was much more difficult than the one last week, of course, trying to pick off Josh Dobbs. But he's on the board, he's got his first pick, and it's only allowed him to create more, get more confidence because even that time in the second half, I don't remember if you guys remember this, but Russell Wilson's rolling out one of those plays towards the sideline and goes to throw the ball away, and Emmanuel Forbes jumps up and almost tries to pick it off near the sideline, when, when Russell's just trying to toss it in to the, to the bench, the instincts from Emmanuel on the outside are just out of this world. Ball hawk beyond anything that Washington has um, in their secondary. I know we say a lot of good things about Cam Curl. He made a hell of a play. Uh, all, all Great plays all game long, and especially keeping Russell Wilson in bounds late in that fourth quarter, but Emmanuel Forbes' instincts are just absolutely off the charts in him. Yesterday, almost picking off that pass, and Russell Wilson just saying, "I'm just gonna loft into the sideline." The instincts to know that Russell Wilson's gonna do that, the instincts to then jump up and put up close—maybe not close enough—but just think about that stuff in that moment in time. Just showcases the instincts of Emmanuel Forbes. Um, see some other things here. Gibson in space, love it. Want to see more of it. Um, after the Brian Robinson run, then you lose four on first down. Um, again, it was a lot of that static RPO run up the one, two, three hole, um, for Washington. Maybe get under center a little bit more. We want to see it. Sam Howell pull it a little bit, maybe even some more counters. Um, uh, maybe some tosses, some sweeps, some pitches, just some more creativity, a little bit more in the run game. I saw a lot of RPOs yesterday in certain moments. Don't get me wrong. Almost five a pop, 87 yards for Brian Robinson, two touchdowns and that one near the goal line, but he's just somebody that, look, just be more creative too in in the run game, and I think that's something that Eric Benham is going to continue to do because he was in his bag through the air yesterday, now he's going to start getting in his bag, the run game perspective, and of course what we saw in Kansas City to where they would get really unique inside the red zone, they get really unique on those second and threes, third and ones, to where you don't know who the hell is going to get the ball, you don't know who's pulling you don't know what tight end is, is blocking or chipping or running a route. Eric Biennium is going to start really start to get in his bag here, guys, as we move into specifically this Bills game to where Washington's going to have to be creative on defense to create mismatches, mismatches and chunk that time of possession to get points on the board against the Bills. A Bills team that just blew out the Raiders yesterday by 28 at home. So expect Bieniemy to really get into his bag as we move in to these next couple weeks. Um, Chris Rodriguez, look, we're, we're working towards now the final moments of this football game. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, that onside kick recovery, Uh, look, there's a lot of teams that do a lot of different things onside-wise. They'll put the ball on the ground and try to spin it, but yesterday you saw the Broncos just have it upright and wait for that third high bounce, and it went right over John Dotson. Now he put his body in position, but Chris Rodriguez, the rookie, to be there on the hands team, good for him. He's earned an opportunity on teams. and He makes a play. He didn't show up in the box score from an offensive perspective yesterday. Didn't have a target through the air and didn't have a single carry. But that play late recovering that football was absolutely huge um, in that football game. And then the, uh, I'm going to keep it PG here. But then the crap came. Then the crap came. Guys, I, being up 11 in that football game to allow them to get the field goal, right? The 32 yard Will Lutz field goal. And then Washington gets the ball back. First down, nothing. Second down, nothing. Third down, nothing. They get the ball back. with About 50 seconds left on the clock. That play, that catch by Cortland Sutton, you could call it a catch, you can call it not. But when they're at the 50 there, you're thinking, crap, they're going to have a shot at the end zone. Russell Wilson can get it there. And if you think back over the years of throwers in football, quarterbacks in football, that has a beautiful deep ball, beautiful Harold Mary type of ball. It's Aaron Rodgers, and it's Russell Wilson. Now, why do I say that? When you think about jackpot balls, which is exactly what a Hail Mary ball is, when I say jackpot ball, you all remember playing the old game with your friends in the parking lot. Jackpot, you guys are five, six people in a mishmash. The ball's thrown up, and you're trying to go over somebody to get it. That's exactly what a Hail Mary is. But Russell Wilson, now Cody Barton was right in his face when he threw that football. But that thing is almost dropped. If you were to take a helicopter and fly it over the 5-yard line yesterday and just drop it, that's exactly what it looked like, Russell Wilson's deep ball and his Hail Mary ball. It just drops out of the sky. Just hits the rafters and comes down. But that ball didn't reach the end zone. There were, what, six or seven guys for Washington at the 5-yard line. Really, nobody in the end zone. Manuel Forbes hits off Derek Forrest's arm and tips up right into the arms of Brandon Johnson. And at that point in time, it's just like, what in the absolute bleep is going on? Right? Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. No clue. I mean, just unbelievable, right? Because then, at that point in time, luckily... They had to get two point conversion. They don't. Was it a DPI on Benjamin St. Just? I don't care. It wasn't called. And it's so funny going on Twitter and seeing other seeing Broncos media and just people talking about the game in general. Was it a DPI? Oh, worst no call in in history. Worst no call. This. It wasn't called. But the bottom line is people understand the burgundy and gold. How many times have we been gypped on crap calls over the years? The Jahan Dotson pick route last year, right? Terry McLaurin looking at the ref. Am I on side? Yes. Am I on side again? Yes. Flag. Stuff like that. Late in ball games last year. I don't forget about that stuff. It's a good play. It's guys playing football. I'm glad that the refs didn't throw it. Could they have thrown it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Curtis Samuel DPI last year at the end of the football game. I believe it was, was it Tennessee or Minnesota? Whatever game that was in the end zone. I don't I don't forget about that stuff. But that ending of that football game yesterday, up 11 in that fourth quarter, up 11, ladies and gentlemen, up 11 points. And to get the ball, nothing on first, nothing on second, nothing on third. Give the ball back. Anything can happen when you're just chucking it up in the air. Even if they it wasn't incomplete, right? You're giving yourself a potential for a pass interference call. Because we know ref, refs like to call it. But to tip it up and then fall right in the hands of Brandon Johnson was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. But at the end of the day, what was it? It was never in doubt, ladies and gentlemen. Three words that I say in this pod all the time. Never in doubt. 35-33 win over the Denver Broncos. 2-0 now Washington Commanders again. First time they've been 2-0 since Rex Grossman was running the show over a decade ago. And now the team hosts Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Week 3 at FedEx Field. I'm expecting that place to be jumping. I do not want to see the Bills Mafia in FedEx Field. Taking up all the lower bowl right behind the Bills bench and over, over their tunnel. I expect Burgundy Gold Faithful, you guys out there, to be at FedEx and just raising chaos. 2-0 as a football team right now as we sit here in the middle of September. It's a really good feeling. It's a really good feeling to have Sam Howell as your quarterback right now and the steps that he's taking. It's a really good feeling to see what Eric Biendami is doing. The production of Emmanuel Forbes on the outside as a first-round pick. The play of Jamin Davis in a huge year for him. Chase Young in a massive year for him. He's back. A sack and a half in his debut of the 2023 campaign. Again, let me say it again. First sack in over 700 days yesterday. It only makes everybody better. John Allen was relatively quiet yesterday. But when we go back to the All-22, you look at him and what, the, what he creates in the middle for everybody else. Number 93 is number 93. Really no mention of him. During the broadcast yesterday, okay, I understand that. But 93 is just a fantastic, just a stud within the middle of that defense. And I don't care what team is coming in the FedEx field. When you score 35 on the road, in the thin air that is Denver, which does take a toll on you, and you're producing like you are on offense, you got guys flying around on defense, young corners making plays. Headline by that front four that can get after any passer in football, you're going to give yourself a chance. And when you battle back from that stuff, 21-3. 21-3, guys. It's the NFL. The largest comeback since the Kirk Cousins you liked that game against Tampa Bay when the team was down 24. It's resiliency. It's perseverance. And it's battling back when you get yourself in crap. And I love to see it yesterday from the Washington commander. So that is going to do it. For today's episode, again, a beautiful victory Monday. I hope you guys in, enjoy the episode. I always appreciate all your comments, your reviews, and your subscribes. Always appreciate you guys reaching out on social media. If you don't follow me yet on Twitter, it's underscore Ryan Fowler. My written work is housed at the at bleacherreport.com. I will have an episode out for you guys on Friday previewing the one and one. Buffalo Bills, they lost to the Jets on Monday Night Football and then came back and beat the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, 38 to 10 over Jimmy Garoppolo's Raiders. Uh, a dominant, dominant win for them in Orchard Park at home. So they are somebody as obviously you know one of the Super Bowl favorites in the NFL this year. They're going to be they're going to be coming in not expecting much from the Commanders. I can tell you that absolutely with 100 confidence they are not expecting much of the Washington Commanders. No matter what they did against Denver, no matter what they did against Arizona, and does not matter what their record is. Den- Buffalo is a hell of a football team. But I like what we got going on in Washington and the NFL is the NFL and all it takes is one given Sunday and just one time, right? Just one time where a couple plays go here and there. I know you guys watch the bills on Monday night football. Was that a team that really scares anybody? doesn't scare me, right? And we will see as we move into next week. But again, full preview of the Buffalo bills, offense, defense, special teams. We're going to peel the layers back rookies that they have that are going to play. Offensive line, defensive line, their linebacking core, which is so important to their defense, with a headline by Matt Milano and rookie Dorian Williams. Talk about their secondary. That's headlined by Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Talk about their corners that are really weak for this Bills defense, but that front four really likes to get after people and make life hell for opposing quarterbacks. We're going to get into all that next week. So on Friday, preview of the Buffalo Bills. But ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your week. It's a beautiful week. Fall is in the air, low 70s. It's look. It's beautiful, and it's a beautiful time right now. If you're following this football team, that's two and zero. It's young. It's hungry. They're athletic on either side of the ball. Little things to work on, specifically special teams. If I'm Cameron Cheeseman, I'm snapping that ball seven hundred times a day to my wall or to Tresway or whatever. I'm having Tressway sleep over for the week, and all I'm doing is just snapping it to him. Every just snap it. Snap the football. Because right now, that special teams operation has to improve as you move into better teams and more cl- and just closer games. I get it. 20-16 to 16 and 35-33, you know, those are close ball games. But got to execute. Got to execute those little things as we move forward into the middle portions and later portions of the season when Washington, hopefully, is going to be battling for a potential division crown or a wild, wild card spot, excuse me, in the NFC. So again, I'll talk to you on Friday. Enjoy your week, everybody. Enjoy Monday Night Football. we got a doubleheader, Panthers and Saints and Browns, Steelers. I will talk to you on Friday. Appreciate you guys as always. I am Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe.